Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? This is host Jack and the Real Feels Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never podcast faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the movie choices. You listen to the old Real Feels Express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck and taps the back of your favorite period piece up against the barroom wall, and he looks you crooked in the eye and asks you if you paid your dues, will you just stare that sucker right back in the eyes and remember what old host Nathan always tells you at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Nathan? Yes, sir. The Maverick episode is in the mail. <laughs> so you just listen to the old Real Fields Express here now and take advice on the dark and stormy night when the lightnings crash and the thunders roll and the Patreon subscribers are falling out. <laughs> Falling out in sheets as thick as lead. Just remember what old host Jack does when the genres quake and the poison candy corn falls from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, host Jack just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and says, Give me your best shot, pal. I've seen Rat Race. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh. I thought you were going to be all like, Just remember what host Jack always says. <laughs> We'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Feels podcast, where we do a different movie of a different genre, provided by our uh, Bilbo Bragg grab baggins of oh, Fortnightly. Fortnightly. And tonight we bring you the cult classic, 1986's Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. That is a bean footage to roll. I know right now that Mr. Donnie Carr, formerly of More Gooder Than Podcast, is very excited. And while uh, I, I appreciate his, his... Why haven't you guys done this yet? <laughs> uh, there is literally nothing else that I would have picked over Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. For Cold Classic? For Cold Classic. Ooh. Yeah. There we go. Nathan. Oh, a bean footage? Bean, bean footage. footage. For holies. What I'd like to do today is get your version of what happened. Oh, you mean the truth. China is here, Mr. Burton. What does that mean? Huh? China is here? I don't even know what the hell that means. All I know is this low pan character comes out of thin air in the middle of a goddamn alley while his buddies are cutting everybody to shreds, and he just stands there waiting for me to drive my truck straight through him with light coming out of his mouth. with green eyes, brave enough to embrace the naked blade. And when I find her, I will marry her. And she and I will be happy and my curse will be lifted. So often rule the universe from beyond the grave. Indeed! Or check into a psycho war, whichever comes first, huh? First time you ever plugged somebody? Of course not. 
all up to you now, Jack. My destiny rests in your capable hands. Wait a minute. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. Fight together, Jack. Do or don't. If you have an influence over your youthful friend, you better exert it now. Otherwise, I will have both of you roll off to the hell where people are skinned alive with that symbol, understand? Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Huh? It's all in the reflexes. So Nathan, was this your first This was, this time? was my first, but Drew, you we, I want I, I I will take the caboose on this part of it. Drew, <laughs> tell tell us all about your experience with Big Big trouble, little China. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, you know, 1986, a great year, another great mm-hmm. year, another good one. You, you, yes, my yeah. wife. <laughs> ah! You know what? I I remember watching this when I was probably about I want to say 10 or 12. So I came to it a little bit later. All right, a little bit later. But love this movie. Love Kurt Russell. It's just it's fun. It's it has like the hint of epic. And I also kind of love the the fact that, you know, Jack Burton is not necessarily like the hero we're asking for. He kind of has like a Mr. Magoo quality where mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that he is as badass as he is supposed to be or how uh, that we're hoping he is. But it's it's just stupid fun. That's all it is. It's just fun. And the special effects are great. It's it's like the best street meat that you could find like a bacon wrapped hot dog or a falafel or a gyro or something. It's not the best thing, but for what it is, it is just a moment in time. I think of just this conglomerate, this nexus of just crazy zany shit. Nathan, I want to hear your first take because like, all right, when we moved from uh, Columbus, Ohio to Batavia, Illinois, <laughs> That is when uh, we finally got HBO. Hmm. And that is when I saw it at like the tender age of eight. And this was going on in time that had Karate Kid. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was still very much like it was just yeah. like like yeah. karate was such a huge thing in the 80s and the early 90s, like sidekicks and, and shit like that. Yes. And best of the best. So this was like that with Dungeons and Dragons added mm. into it. Yes. Okay. My honest to God, first take after I watched it, it was late at night. I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch this, uh, you know, just by myself. Uh, I don't even think Brooke would be interested in this movie. I I don't think she would. No, it's and it. I'm not being, you know, sort of, you know, the patriarchy, but it is sort of like it's like a man's man. It's a fun one. Age of time. (laughs) Um. I, I watched it. I didn't say a word. And then I, I went to bed and I laid in bed for a second and I just said, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Indeed! What the fuck? And then I, so I, 
I started like lining up all the shots I was gonna take at you in this movie. Oh yeah, no, go like, ahead. I, well, no, because like, so I was, I was like, Drew is gonna be going. Ute, Ute. Looks like Mavericks back on the menu, boys. Like, I know Drew's gonna be like, like get him, Nathan. But I remember that this is the cult classic, so I had to dial it back because I was like, like, wait a minute. There is a, there's a, it's, this is not his period piece. You know, this is not his, uh, like, or like, if you would have picked this for maybe like war, I would have been like, wow. That's the nice. That's the nice. Or, okay. So you're saying like a genre that didn't fit. If he drew war and he was like, this is my war, I'd be like, out of all the war films, you pick this weird, like, civil war of, of, I mean, this. And, And like, the war factor is like, you know, two or two scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so. like, or I mean, at the end, I guess, is, you know, two sides fighting. But like, I would have ripped you really hard. Cold classic. I can't do it as much because. Cold classic. It's cold classic. There's a reason why. There's a it, lot of leeway and forgiveness. And there's a lot that has to go into it to become what I consider a cold classic of like failing the mainstream pickup. Sure. And the fumble. Kind of in the well, theaters. And that wasn't the movie's fault. That was the studio's fault. Because sure. the studio just straight up didn't know how to even market this movie. And John Carpenter so. was was straight up like, I'm going to turn this genre on its head. And instead of having the hero with the minority sidekick, it's going to be the he minority the hero <laughs> with like the bumbling Caucasian sidekick. And also at the time, Eddie Murphy's The Golden Child was coming out. And John Carpenter even said, we can't beat that. So I yeah, need Eddie Murphy in the 80s. Who I could? Need, yeah, right. No, yeah, I no mean, one. he's he's coming off of like Beverly Hills Cop and trading places. And, you know, John Carpenter flat out said, like, I need to make a better movie. And so they rushed production. And then they I think the movie came out five months before The Golden Child. Mm-hmm. And. Big Trouble Little China making only like I think the opening weekend was like eleven point seven million dollars and Golden Child making like thirty five, if I remember correctly, which I, and find, I think the budget was like twenty five million for yeah. Big Trouble. And I think it's crazy because I don't know if either of you have seen the Golden Child. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think yeah. it's a I don't think it's a good movie. It's I don't okay. care. I don't it's care okay. if Eddie Murphy yeah. was in uh, it. Uh, 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 Jesus. Uh, 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 but. Uh, uh, uh. But it's just, I, I just don't think it's a good movie. I think Big Trouble goes leaps and bounds over it. And I think now for the fact that the cult classic ideals that are keeping it alive should have done better. But in all reality, this is a fucking weird movie that doesn't have, again, if you grew up with it, I understand. I'm sure Donnie's like, get Nathan off the podcast. <laughs> get that bitch off the podcast. Like, but, and I, I get it. If this was what you grew up with, I mean, I, I'm i not going to you know shake a fist at you. Coming into this in 2021 at 35 years old, I told myself, you know what? I will watch this again for the sake of the second rewatch. I don't know if I'm ever going to just go, man, I'm just hankering for some big trouble, little China. This movie was straight up bonkers. And in so many parts, straight up bonkers. That I literally, like, I would stop and go, huh, none of this is making sense. It starts off like it's uh, Blade Runner. I'm like, okay, okay, like, you know, well, like, he's, like, interviewing him. You see that? 
That's nothing, but that's how it always begins. I just, I love, I love Victor Wong in the intro. He's like, "You leave Jack Burton alone, <laughs> so we owe him a debt." So you, you get this mystery of like, "Well, Jack Burton, like, okay, like this great warrior or something, you know, something really went down." You, you almost like get the impression if you've never seen it before. Which did you think that Jack was dead? Oh, well, I mean, or yeah, or no, at least so- like incarcerated because the way that Victor Wong is being sorry, egg. What's it? Egg, uh... Egg Shen. That's it. Egg Shen. You never Shen. could beat me, Egg Shen. <laughs> yeah. And... Six you, demon bag. <laughs> <laughs> you almost think that, like, Jack Burton has been either, like, incarcerated for doing something wrong, or that he is dead, and, you know, Egg is still trying to defend him. Because he said they're just like, uh, bitch, don't talk about my man that way. Like, I mean... You leave Jack Burton out of this! this. <laughs> Again... He showed great bravery. <laughs> so... That whole opening scene throws me off completely because do, do they they don't ever come back to that? It was no. added. It was a request because the studio meddled heavily. In yes, this, and that's why John Carpenter never made Maybe. another movie with a large studio like that. They had that added into the beginning, which to try to give it some sort of levity. Pretense. This yeah. is a tale. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because like, originally it was yeah, just going to start back. off with with Jack Burton on the pork jock of stress, you know, spitting his his game over the the CB radio while he's like eating a foot long massive submarine <laughs> sandwich, boy, like just down in it. But it felt okay. This is all right. This is a dystopian like future or something like that. And he's this truck driver because it's all raining mm-hmm. and you know he's just ah, like just spitting into the microphone to, to the CB to, to anybody. To listen, I'm like, okay, so he's either crazy or he is going to be some like this like legend truck driver. Okay, and a truck driver. Wow, what a random grab bag and yeah, pick was that? There were no cell phones. Uh, yeah, car sure, phones sure, sure, sure. were probably just burgeoning then. But Again, I'm coming into this a virgin. I'm just like, okay, yeah. just picking up whatever information they're throwing at my face. And I'm like, all right, okay. Then they st- he's in this underground little uh, world of, of uh, Asian black gambling. Ma- asian oh, gambling, black market yeah. and i'm yeah. like okay okay so is this indiana jones but then i st- as i started watching i said no this isn't indiana jones nathan this is star wars and let me tell you so i know that's like what you have the like han solo-ish type like smuggler uh you know mm-hmm. pilot ding 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 you have the young like hotshot kid who's like they have my girl like I'm and proud now of, in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you for following these breadcrumbs, Nathan. Is this a thing? Tell no, me, no, it is. What oh, province okay. did she come from? Was it Hooven? Her father must have been a holy man. <laughs> I must know. So, I mean, Indiana Jones was also kind of a, like a reference if you were to t- t- uh, to take a look at Jack Burton. It's, it's almost like a clueless Indiana Jones. The director was already influenced by another Asian uh, epic fantasy film, which is deemed to be the Star Wars of you know asia mm-hmm. okay and so yeah you're you're getting a lot of these the view i have is this is like how a, a dungeons and dragons group starts out you know like oh, yeah jack burton is sort of the bumbling human fighter 
and then uh, Wang is is almost like um, like a rogy a, a rogy monk okay. Okay. in a way. Yeah. And, and then they Down pick up luck. Gracie Law, uh, Kim Control, which hadn't really been taken serious up to this point because she all, all she had done is like is she a bard. She, I'd say she's a bard. Yeah, she's a writer. All, all she really did was like uh, porkies and and stuff like that prior to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the uh, the sort of the the face the the um, what's it called the um, the reporter who is able to you know like we gotta we gotta get that oh Margo 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 you've got Egg Shen who is the sorcerer or no he's the alchemist oh, okay because yeah. he's throwing all his stuff around but it's just them sort of coming together and you know I I I think that's my best way of looking at it yeah but none of this movie can really be taken seriously as like it's it is it's just ridiculous but it is john carpenter from the 80s like you know the the score he that his, was all him band. he scored that okay movie and, and, but i mean the thing big trouble yeah the thing <laughs> they live band. uh <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah the thing they live assault on precinct uh 13, 13. like this like they're all weird movies the cop and the uh uh the uh, incarcerated felon you know team up to save the young woman and the man in precinct 13 it's just right in the wheelhouse but again he, it was during that time where they're cashing in on you know the martial arts stuff that was coming out of the 80s and they're also cashing in on like the the magic and sorcery like crawl and legend yeah. and stuff like that and it originally was going to be a western yeah uh, and he was looking for his shit? he was looking for his horse so it was supposed to be set in like 1886 or something mm-hmm. and he was supposed to be looking for his his favorite or lucky horse instead of his big rig and it was okay. going to be set in you know 1886 Chinatown yeah but you know so in Chinatown now in San Francisco it's just you know steeped in this like what is that egg black blood of the earth you mean oil? No. no. <laughs> Black blood of the earth. And just, uh, I think one of my favorite, favorite lines is, and there's, there's so many lines in this, uh, but it's a, what is that? A magic potion? Yeah. What, so what are we going to do? Drink it? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's I feel kind of uh, invincible. I feel really good. And, I have a really good feeling about this. <laughs> is it getting hot in here? <laughs> and John Carpenter wrote the dialogue to be sort of like 1940s Hudson Hawk, like, Look if I'm not back in two hours, call the president. <laughs> and it's like, you know, when he's on the phone with the uh, the insurance company after he loses his truck, well, he's I, like, I well, there's got to be a listing for them. I pay them six grand in premiums a year. Well, we were at Hamsmiths. I don't know, Drew, if it was you that I was talking to or it may have been Cody, which, hey, well, shout out to Cody. Cody, you were a delight, Hamsmiths, bud. I really appreciate uh, you coming out. That was a lot of fun. Really and fun. Brett. And Brett and Brett. Well, Brett knows that he's, he's a delight, but but Cody, I want to, I want him to know that he was a delight. Hey, him and my wife mended fences Look, on Hamsmas. I know when they were out in the garage, and then suddenly you go to like see and what's happening in there. They're laughing. And they open the door, and we can hear laughing coming in there. All the like, season two. Oh wow, what's going on? <laughs> so it may have been Cody that I was talking to, but Kurt Russell apparently did an audition for Han Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I didn't know this beforehand because I said, I wonder if Kurt Russell, if an alternate universe and Kurt Russell was Han Solo, I don't think it would have been like 
any worse. I think he would have nailed it because this again is very Han Solo, like the way he talks and like, oh, what are you trying to prove? And like, of course it is. We're like, gonna gonna find that junction box. Oh, working at night, uh, you know. (laughs) As Jack always says, who? Jack Burton, (laughs) me. Uh, and Cottrell, she could be Leia, scoundrel, like, you know, oh, I like that. <laughs> scoundrel. Yeah, yeah, like, but I think I, I know that car. <laughs> it's like, it's a pink fucking Cadillac. Like, it's just, how big does that stick out like a sore thumb? But Kurt Russell does a very good job in this, doing that almost Han Solo-ish type, that role. Yeah. So that I at least appreciated and was like okay i can ride this part of it but again there's so many parts that the rails almost come off completely and i'm left hanging going okay what the fuck just happened Who, now now lopan is 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 he's a he's a lot no he's dead okay wait he he need, okay he needs a girl to become Mortal. Why does he want to be mortal? Who the fuck knows? Like you're <laughs> you're coming into a plot that seems to have already been obviously in motion and, and, and should from, be explained more. But from it's not. somebody who has seen the movie dozens and dozens of times over the year, like I can straight up tell you, like, well, you know, he was defeated by the first emperor of China and cursed, and so he he lives, but like he he lives this pseudo world where he's like an old man that has no pleasures of the flesh, and then he can also sort of turn into this like eight foot tall, you know, David Lopan, and he can do some magic, but again, he just he can't die, and it's been like two thousand years. So in order to get out of this, in order to get become flesh again green eyes he girl. needs to meet he needs to marry a girl with green eyes to uh uh satisfy uh chang dai the god of the who comes from the east okay. uh, whom, and then his spirit is stretched across space and time space and time and and then to appease the first emperor of china who defeated him he must sacrifice her because lopan killed his wife this makes Lopan a warlock because he's made a pact. I was going to say, yeah, he's made a pact and he now is in servitude. There's so many things that like you question where it's like, what is the deeper story here? Because even Lopan says to Egg, like, you could never defeat me. And I'm like, how old is Egg? Mm-hmm. How long has he been here? Because mm-hmm. he said like, at the end of the movie, he's like, well, you know what? Lopan is defeated. My, you know, my Wherever quest I is go, finished. China's in my China's heart, China's in my Jack. heart. I promised myself a long vacation. And you know where he went? Perfection Nevada. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ. To open, the, to open, to open the store and <laughs> die to a graboid. <laughs> I will see myself out. My Uber is here. <laughs> <laughs> but to settle settle back into it, like, it, it starts out fairly nonchalant you know he, he follows Bonkers. wang to the the airport because he wants to get his money then the lords of the death so you're thinking like oh this is like a sort of like a like a chinese triad yakuza sort of a thing hmm. and then when they pull into chinatown and there's the funeral and that the, the standoff yeah. and the fight even now i think those scenes still hold up as far as just fun fighting and action Again, for 1986 and for the the style of movie, it is it yes fun and, and and Carpenter even said like we used every trick in the book like the the scene where uh, Wang is is uh, sword dueling uh, the Fury of Rain they're just jumping 
from <laughs> from trampolines through the air and just uh you know when when egg shen blows up anybody with his magical rocks it's just like everyone jumps on a trampoline there's a smoke and a flash and they just go flying there's reverse shots there's just like there's the one scene in the that first funeral brawl where uh it's the balding long hair guy who was part of the uh bank robbery team from die hard who's mm-hmm. like eating yeah. the candy bar yeah, yeah yeah he's in the he was like henchman extraordinaire through yeah. the 80s and the 90s and he beats up one of the the yellow sashes throws him through a window and then it cuts and then like 15 seconds later the dude who was thrown through the window comes flying out Out of the window window and it's just it's so like it's it's staring you straight at the face like so tongue-in-cheek that it's like you can't take it seriously because then the fucking furies show up and it's like they've you know, they've got like their mechanical Gurkha thing going on. <laughs> and then, yeah. David Lopan hits uh his hits Jack Burton with the the eyes and mouth light thing, but apparently like stagnant water is a cure for that. Like nothing about this movie yeah, 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 yeah. has that's, to make st- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean it just it gets it gets ridiculous upon ridiculous, like you know, like, uh, where are we, Wang? Where in the hell are the upside down bee sinners? And it's like, nobody knows what the fuck that is. But, like, it, the movie never takes the next step to explain. Being, well, no, to being, like, par- to being top secret or yeah. to being, like, hot shot, shots. Like, to being that, okay, you know, they know that this is a shitty movie. Like, or, you know, that this is that kind of movie. It's where a they John both- Carpenter movie. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, right, but, but I mean, not shitty. It's just. It's, no, I don't think top uh, top secret was shitty. I'm saying like no, 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 in no, no, that no. kind of uh, you know playing tic tac toe with the windows. You know, mm-hmm. like that kind of oh okay, this is fucking ludicrous. If you, if you want other like John Carpenter films that are kind of going to I guess like maybe this extreme of like action, you would look at like Escape from New York, Escape from uh-huh. L.A. So and, this is what I thought this whole movie was going to be like no. was that yeah. so that you can imagine i was in for a little bit <laughs> yeah. but but uh, escape from new york kurt russell based uh Nobody the performance it. off <laughs> of <laughs> he was basically doing sort of a parody of clint eastwood yes and in this movie he was doing sort of a parody of like a dumb blowhard john wayne yep and uh and that's not like conjecture that's he's he's come out like this is uh, it's it's in the making of uh big trouble little china book that came out recently where the forward was done by john carpenter and uh kurt russell did the closing would you quit rubbing your body up against mine it's hard to concentrate (laughs) when you do that oh isn't that nice yeah it's great (laughs) and even at the end was jesus jack you're not even gonna kiss her i actually you know what i like that a lot no i like that where she's like, she sooner her, or later, I rub everybody the wrong way. Right. Bye, Jack. See you around. <laughs> I like, you know what? I like that ending. I like the fact that, like, you know, he doesn't kiss her goodbye and get the girl. I think it's very, I think it's very refreshing, and I think it fits his character to a T perfectly. I mean, they they had the one kiss. They had the one kiss in you know uh, Lopan's fortress. Hell, that thing is mm-hmm. gargantuan, and it's. It's fine. I think there are different things that, again, to the confusion of Nathan, there's lots of things that happen where they are definitely not explained, where Egg says, oh, you know, 
what what do you say like five two hundred thousand years ago or something like the earth exploded and it like flipped itself and you know many many people died my brain when i first watched that i thought like oh my gosh are the people who are inhabiting the earth now those who dwelled underneath and they're the oh ones who be who we are now and that's where like the darkness and the black sorcery came from because that's where it was prevalent yeah but like the, the shrine where they get married where it's got like the everything is outlined in in neon lights and it has an escalator (laughs) it's just so fucking ridiculous you know like the green balls of fire on top of the brothel Um, it's beyond cheesy the the, uh, the sorcery fight the the wiggly thumbs and egg using like a a medallion or something to praise it's it's like a gem or something and then you have like the epic Kind of like neon uh, samurai battle. It's like they both summon each Pokemon and they're going at it. Or yeah, like or the like um or the Rock'em Stock'em the mm-hmm. yeah Rock'em Stock'em robots yeah uh, just it's so good that was that was funny that was what the fuck was with the monster though that like it's just the creatures that he has yeah. and like the the three furies thunder okay uh, lightning so and rain random like no, those no. are his bodyguards he yeah. has. And he those, has those this make sense. right. Yeah. He has this entourage of bodyguards and creatures that he's just acquired. Like he's got a beholder. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what? Well, Wait, I mean, what? Be- <laughs> beholder in like the greatest of senses. It's more like a familiar because you know what I mean. Because it doesn't attack. He, he All see, he does is yeah. see and speak through it. So it's more like a familiar. It's definitely not, you know, a vicious beholder. And then he has his mutated like bugbear thing. That uh, was peeking out of the, 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 the statues. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, 1986, it highlights some really amazing, you know, Asian American cast members. Mm. So, you know, Dennis Dunn originally, uh, John Carpenter wanted Jackie Chan, or yep. the studio, I think, wanted Jackie Chan. Which to I would have been okay with. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they didn't think his English was up to par. Uh, yeah. Uh, but James Hong as David Lopan was was perfect. Like oh. playing the imperious seven foot tall, and then the the little the little old man where he's like Gucci Gucci going and, uh, and, and Kim Control. <laughs> oh, she has face. Uh, uh, <laughs> Victor Wong, like yes. you know, he's this like rich. We don't know how old he is, nope. sorcerer, but he's just like driving his tour bus around. And uh, they uh, sent the money back from the railroads to bring their families to help build this. There's wonderful Chinatown that you see all around you. But, uh, it's, you know, as soon as the, the truck there. is coming, he starts like cursing in Chinese. You know, he knows that history because that's what he lived through. And it's just I, and I love him. I love him to a T because he's what I grew up with, with watching like three ninjas all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, you watch him and it's like, he's grandpa. He's teaching us karate. Yes. that That's what I loved. I loved him in this role. I think he's a hoot. And then a little bit of trivia. Uh, Egg Shen's uh, uh, warehouse that they, they go down the fire pole. Uh, that was the Ghostbusters firehouse. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So, but I adore this movie. It's, it is ridiculous. You can't take it seriously. Uh, yeah. It. And I, I mean, don't he's he shoots the gun up and gets knocked <laughs> out before the, the big fight. And then when he does wake up, like he basically gets pinned to the ground by one of the guys that he kills. That's in armor with the boot that he actually suggested and had specifically made yeah. 
for the movie when they're trying to escape the first time and uh you know he he empties the magazine on his uh his his submachine his tech nine but then he's like he he's getting down he gets the knife out but he's like fumbling he throws the <laughs> knife away and that entire time wang's just like kiawing all these motherfuckers and he like he comes jumping out like ha ah, all right let's do this and everyone's everyone's down everyone's dead i always thought he did that on purpose so he could not have to be in the fight oh, no. it's kind of like all right let's go no, oh, I gotta get my knife. <laughs> he's like a bumbling Mr. Magoo. That's it. Uh, John Wayne. Yeah. Just... And Wang is a badass in the fight. So I was like, oh, like, yeah, take a little potion and you just become like the best martial artist ever. Like he's... he does the he does the uh, you know uh, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, flying through the air, sword. Uh, good callback. Even Egg's callback to Dirty Harry when he literally pulls out. The big ass Magnum. Because <laughs> Kurt Russell auditioned yep. for Dirty Harry and did not get it. So Eddie is like under the radar, maybe my favorite character, just because, like, especially when they he brings the guns and he's like, oh, yeah. With his he's, plaid he's, suits. And he's looking at the shotgun. He's like, yeah, all right, this is a great gun. And then Kurt Russell takes that. And they're like playing, uh, you kind of. <laughs> musical chairs with the guns and he's like oh, okay well like yeah i'll take the tech nine and it's like oh okay oh i get the pistol oh okay that's cool <laughs> <laughs> but he's just a, he's a good little side character and at first you don't think that half of these people are going to make it know, back or just or just be a part of the end finale you know like the sure. rest of the movie a lot of times movies will introduce a character and just kind of be like Hey, like go this way, and then you never see them again. Like Margot being like the uh, the actual reporter who yeah decided to listen. It would almost be appropriate if she were to be like, "This is my big break. I'm gonna break this story," and she ends up dying. Yeah, something. But but, but it, it's not that kind of movie. Like when the they they see uh, Egg Shen up in like the the top hole, and they're like, "How did you get up there? Wasn't easy." <laughs> and like you know, just like oh, hold this this in like the physics of his like There's grappling no gun, like yeah, that yeah. would never work out. But he's like, hold this, and then just pushes the Buddha like <laughs> through the hole. And then another a little tidbit that I love is that in several of the big fight scenes, the, the like the Asian gang members, like there'll suddenly be like an obviously Caucasian person because they couldn't get enough Asian extras, Asian American extras to like fill out these big scenes. So like uh, the the initial battle in uh, old Chinatown. And then I think even one of the women guards is like, mm, that looks like like her name is Susie to me. <laughs> like you'll, they'll, you'll, they're fighting like, really, you're you're part of this like elite, you know, ancient Chinese orders that are, are opposing <laughs> each other. And you look like your last name is Smith. Yeah, but I don't know. It, this movie has its moments. It's good. But at the same time, wow. Hey, without this movie, we wouldn't have Mortal Kombat. So. Which, okay, this is a very interesting point that you just made. This movie, in a weird way, story-wise, I don't know has as structure of a story as Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat's very simple. They have a They have this, you know, Big fight every, you know, thousands of year, whatever. This is like the, you know, best out of seven or best out of eight. Oh, we got, you know, we've won the last seven. We have one more. And then they go fight in a big tournament. 
the end. This shit is bonkers. I I don't know how to put it. It is bonkers. I I think you just you just go along for the ride. You accept it. You you kind of dive into that little bit of magical realism. You don't have to fully understand why and how, because again, you have a plot that's going on that is not again. It's already been in motion. But then magic is now a part of this world. When when Egg is talking to well, you this... can't say now because it already it, it always has been. Okay, but but now it's, which now thankfully it's be out to in the that open horrible. More. Well, I mean, thankfully to that you know the he's talking to the the, uh, the continuity of the intro makes it to the point where magic has always been there. And Egg does that little like static shock, and the detective is like, "What the hell?" And he's all like, "And that's nothing." And I mean, even and even uh, uh, Lopan kind of like says to himself against Egg when he's fighting or he's watching him use magic and he's all like peasant magic. So, I mean, but they do you do pick up little tidbits. So, you know, the the Chinese black magic, that is David Lopan shit. Yeah, they do mention Taoist alchemy sorcery. That is egg shit. So it's just, and and that they have that you know Confucianism, and uh, you know they 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 take what they want, and they leave the rest. So it, there it it is in there, but it's it's Merlin versus Morgantha. Yeah. Okay, that's okay, that's kind of like that. how you're gonna look that. at it. Yeah, but it's I don't know. I adore this movie, and I will really watch it anytime, any fucking time. There we go. Supposedly. The Rock wants to do a remake. This that pisses me off. I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. This, this movie. Does, God, I hope. Just like remaking the thing. Was that any good? Well, I, okay. So I mean, not really a remake, but it was a prequel. Yeah, but still. No, it wasn't. It yeah, wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was a prequel. No, no, but it wasn't good. Oh no, it's not even. Nobody. The, no, it's not on the same level. I, in no way, shape, I or know, form. I know, but. You can't capture, you can't bottle that sort of lightning again. No. I mean, I know that he wanted yeah. he wanted to do a remake because it was supposed to be the continuation of Jack Burton's character, which we didn't get in a film, we didn't get in a TV series, we didn't get in video games, but we got in a comic book. Yeah, but I'm okay with it. And, that. and that's fine. I don't necessarily think it needs to go anywhere. If it, Keep if, it in the comics. If, if we were waiting, uh, if we were discussing, you know, Big Trouble Little China Four, uh, the low panning or something like that. Then that that doesn't make it a cult classic anymore. It just makes it a shitty franchise that that just beat itself to death. And uh, I'm still hard pressed to really find a remake that is or a, a, a reboot that is better than the originals. That's true because and when they it well, seems very lazy. Casino Royale. Okay, but yeah, but those are two different. That's Casino Royale, the original one, is right, so, like okay, that's but, completely but that's fucking. Al- no, no, no. But that's also why it's a that's why it's a fantastic remake and not a not a reboot. I'm brother from Langley. Bleeding <laughs> chips. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a hard because I think that I'm I'm sure that you know what, folks out there, if you have a sequel or sorry, not a sequel, not a sequel. but a, a a remake that you would like to defend to the death. We will take the top two, and we will we will shred them here on this podcast. So so bring us your best, the Green Eyed Girls, and we will, we will show them. me your six demon bag. Exactly, and uh, we'll hit you with the cross pinky, the cross pinky uh, thumb wiggles. That'll be interesting when one of us actually gets the remake genre, Ooh. and what we will pick. Mm-hmm. 
Segmentis? Segmentis. There is just something about John Carpenter movies from the 70s and 80s. The look, the feel, the plots, the soundtrack encapsulates an era. Tell me about a movie or director that does the same or does something similar. Uh, the ability to make you remember watching it during a younger age where you were, where were you? And uh, in what way were you blown away? So if we're going to go from a younger age and I'm going to have one and then I'll have an honorable mention, which is probably just as on par, but to kind of go with my love of horror, I'd have to go Wes Craven mm-hmm. and Wes Craven with nightmare on Elm street. And the original Hills have eyes one and two, the last house on the left, one that I really liked and watched all the time, which is actually getting a remake, which I'm not, uh, I'm not mad at because I think, I think they can do wonders with it. Uh, people are sorry. The people under the stairs, which I, it, it freaked me out as a kid so much, but it was so good. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. People under the stairs. And I, I just think that Wes Craven had such a, a brilliance about his films and the creativity and the darkness that he could bring with certain with certain movies and even on towards, you know, later years before he passed away, things like like Red Eye, like Red Eye is great. I, I really that's a great I, movie. I, do I like really it. like Red Eye. But yeah, as for as for something that is probably a little more of a staple for my childhood and was easier to come by than horror growing up and definitely on up to par as well. Uh, John Hughes. Oh, definitely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And naming off films is not necessary because, yeah, it's John Hughes. (laughs) For me, uh, this was uh, Gene Kelly. And even though not not his directing uh, movies, but primarily Three Musketeers, uh, when he that was the movie that I watched beyond besides Flight of the Navigator, like nonstop. D'Artagnan, more wine. So it's a, uh, I couldn't. Or was find that the man in the Iron Mask? No, that's that's Three Musketeers. Okay. That was the one with uh, 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 Charlie Sheen and, and Chris uh, O'Donnell and Tim Burton or Tim Burton, Tim Curry. Um, <laughs> I haven't uh, seen that movie in ages. I love that movie. With, that, a, with that, a wave that, of my it, hand, I could. What is it like? I could put you in prison, that, and with, with a, a flick, flick of my, my wrist, wrist, I could change your religion. You're very persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> I will defend that movie to the death. That's a Disney movie too, yes. which is I'm I'm just like, oh, that's weird. No, that, it's uh, not. I Peter Sutherland fine. would just be like, yeah, get like put me in this Disney yes. remake of. <laughs> Three Musketeers doing yeah. coke on a Disney set <laughs> with Charlie Sheen. Uh, so I couldn't find the picture in my photos, but you can see little me. I have a noodle sword and a wooden horse <laughs> and a backwards penis hat. Um, I yes. watched, watched the Three Musketeers so much. Nathan, that's I, adorable. I love it. I'll try and send that to you so you can put it on the, uh, the good old Twitter or something if you want. Yeah. There is something about the feels of those movies that uh, just anytime Gene Kelly like acted and because back then they did a lot of these like not anime close-ups but these weird reaction shots where like their face would get wide and you look back on it you're like who the fuck is directing this like what (laughs) and some of the sword fights are so sloppy 
<laughs> that you watch it like because they're all hungover. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, like we we have no technology to put the uh, the stunt double's face as the actual person. So like, yeah, just cut, <laughs> go in there and jump off the tree. And all right, action. So there was something amazing about those films, and I watch them now. And I'm like, oh god, this is horrible. But <laughs> I just I rem. I remember being that little boy just yeah. deeply enthralled with it. Mm, I, I like that. So, you know, obviously I, I did a little bit of a different take because this is why I picked, you know, I love John Carpenter movies. Yeah. But uh, so going back to the 80s, but going back to more the childhood aspect of it, it was a, uh, a and I we've talked briefly about this before, but it was a, it was, it was two movies that were companions made for tv it was 1984's caravan of courage and ewok adventure oh yeah and uh, it's far superior sequel 1985's ewoks the battle for endor starring wilford brimley yes so you know it was just complete childhood (laughs) uh if i want and i my mom i think got them on blu-ray for me one year so they're in oh my, my my collection mm. but you know it's the 80s so they're not pulling like any punches like the beginning of the second one like the main character sindel her brother her father and uh mother are all killed by these like you know sort of like almost medieval weird natives of endor that of course no one ever saw in return of the jedi yeah, yeah, totally. uh, and she had uh, a, a bracelet that had like you know it was like a locator bracelet and and if it was a green light your parent was alive and if it was a red oh. light your parent or brother was dead and so like you know she, this attack is going on and she's just like oh oh and like a you know dad turns red and it's like <laughs> oh, oh well there goes mom and the brother's like go go and then she's like oh oh, oh. And we're all wearing red on the bracelet. Like, how fucked up is that? Uh, like, Michael uh, J. Fox just watching his, <laughs> in Back to the Future, yeah. just watching him disappear, watching his hand go away. <laughs> but I can vividly remember these were taped off of TV, because they had the commercials in them. And putting that tape in on, like, a Saturday morning at, like, 6 in the morning, because my parents would be like, fuck off. Like... <laughs> No one's getting up right now on six o'clock on a Saturday. And having that uh, typical 70s, 80s knit blanket that was like that weird shit brown, that weird burnt orange, and that weird like puke pea soup just sort of interwoven (laughs) that was heavy as shit. Being under that with a bowl of cocoa puffs and just watching this movie and I would eat the cocoa puffs until they were just sort of their floating layer. And then I would get the spoon and I would like, like let them get um, soggy, and I would like suck them like boba <laughs> <laughs> off the spoon. <laughs> but I have oh. such vivid memories of that. Oh my god! Uh, so, folks, I, I, it's probably on YouTube, though. Oh, I don't sure know. I'm the sure. Po- no, no. Yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, the cocoa. But, boba. but now that, but now that Disney in charge is in charge of that, and I'm, I don't even know. Right up there with your shower water, but, uh, folks. It's out there. Uh, watch it. So the, the next one is uh, the girl with green eyes. You are now David Lopan. Uh, you have two amazing dishes in front of you. For good or worse, you may never go back. 
back and you love both dishes separately. The first dish you must sacrifice and never taste again to please the, the sovereign first emperor of China. The other you must marry and live with daily to please Ching Dai, the god of the east. <laughs> Tell me about your dishes. So at Frigati's, they have a dish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> go, no, no, go on. Uh, they have a dish called beef broccoli. Brujol. It's where they have this piece of beef and it's prosciutto and garlic and they wrap it like they, they wrap the beef around this other meat and garlic and then they oh they they bake it with with the this bolognese sauce and then they do the the house noodles with it it it's unreal i love any that's whatever when whenever we go to Forgotties, that's what i get because <laughs> i'll make you some brujol sometime oh well this is this is one of my green eyed girls. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's not coming home. Don't, don't tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> Understand that I would use this meal for deliciousness. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing, uh, funny, they're both noodles, but drunken noodles. I like Thai style drunken noodles. Yes, mm. I love, 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 love more than fried rice, more than orange chicken, more than almost any other Asian dish. I think more than sushi, and I love sushi. Drunken noodles are my heart, my spirit animal, and so drunken noodles is definitely coming home with me. And <laughs> <laughs> because I can forget, I think the beef and the prosciutto and and the garlic and how amazing those noodles are. But drunken noodles just resonate with me on a different level when when I got, <laughs> when I got home from our Christmas party from our office, Brooke was like, Do you want like you want me to order some food? And I was just like, Yes. Can you give me drunken noodles? <laughs> and I just it felt so good to just slather them down. So yeah, drunken noodles are coming home with me. Uh so follow up to that. Who, which place in town do you feel has the superior drunken noodle? Chef Noodle Bar has, I think, the best. I don't think I've had it in a lot of places. I think I've had it at Jin Sushi mm -hmm. um, downtown. And their tomatoes, I think, were a little, like, large mm -hmm. cut. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that, but I don't, it's not, it's not my number one. And so... Blue Elephant mm. is okay, and okay. then uh, was it uh, Bangkok Street Food? Theirs isn't bad either, but I still think Noodle Bar has the better because sometimes you'll you'll get it from one of those other places, and it's either like too dry, where it's like you you want to go and you want to yes. get like the noodles up, and it's just like you tear the noodles, and you're like no. <laughs> and Bangkok, I feel like it's done me dirty on some, like just oh no, some, just not. Top, like I'm not going back. Going, oh yeah, I've yeah. got to get that because Bangkok did it so well. But so yeah, I I do agree with you. Bangkok has dummy dirty. Welcome back to our food we, podcast, everyone, <laughs> where we talk about dirty, dirty food all the time. Uh, so I'll take the next one. Sure. And mine is 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 a theme. Now this is this is late night, Friday or Saturday night. My wife has gone to bed, or she's she's. She's passed out on the couch, and she's not waking up. And uh, she she describes me as uh, foraging in the kitchen like a raccoon. 
Lips and assholes. Lips and assholes. So, so my two go-to items is either like I will do some the blackest of Chinese magic with a just regular box of Annie's mac and cheese with the powder and you add your own butter because you can dress that up and it's mm-hmm. like if you have like any any sort of spare protein you can throw it in there throw in your cayenne throw in some cumin like like sometimes I'll just like spoons of salsa on top of it like I'm just going straight up nuts with that Whoa. stuff you are big trouble little China when it comes to mac and yeah, cheese yeah yeah <laughs> 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 I don't think he's gonna stop <laughs> Or if there is a a box, and and I think I've mentioned before on the podcast of White Castle sliders, either the Mm. the regular cheese or the jalapeno ones, there's no, like that that box, whether it's a six piece or a 12 piece, is a single serving. Either way you (laughs) cut it. Yes. And my wife calls me a slut. Uh, when I bring either of these foods in, and then like she'll bring it home sometimes for me, and I'll be like, "Oh, you love your slut, don't you?" Like hey, you probably sliders. So um, I would have to sacrifice to the the sovereign emperor of China uh, the box of mac and cheese because uh, and live out my earthly pleasures with my my White Castle sliders. Annie's has kind of they have not taken over the mac and cheese aisle, but they have blown up it's definitely better than the craft blue box and yeah but like i don't know like because i i do like the craft shittiness that is you know their mac and cheese but i've noticed that annie's is just like its own mm-hmm. section of it i'm like whoa you guys are coming up and i no like challenge craft i like before. how annie's noodles aren't like uniform in length like there's like some short guys there's some long guys yeah uh folks at home my my baseline annie's prep is of course you do the double the butter so you do four tablespoons okay i don't measure the milk i just splash it to the consistency that i want to get it but uh first i put the uh the drain noodles into the back into the pan with the butter get that stirring around and then two slices of craft american singles because we're gonna go we're going to DP this bitch. Uh, so, so and, and you have to take the craft singles out when you start to boil the water so they soften. You booty call craft cheese into this bed? It's ass Annie? to mouth. It's ass to mouth. Whoa. Whoa. So, so you rip up chunks of the cheese and then you stir that around and that gets like a base sauce going. And then you add in your powder, stir that, add milk, and then you get the consistency you want. And then the secret is at least like a... Re- ridiculous amount of, of fresh ground black pepper uh and and that is just as just, we know jack is a pepper monkey i'm a pepper fiend uh, so that, that's my baseline prep folks call the tooch line tell us about your your slutty late night i just got home from the bar or uh you know it's been movie night and i've had a few too many drinks tell us what is your what is your pick of the litter as far who's your green eye girl who's your late night green eye girl 661-376-0030. And it looks like we have our first caller, Drew. Tell us about your <laughs> Green Eyed Girl. Uh, so the first one that it's going to go to is um, just not any particular place, although there were there were some places in town that I did really enjoy, but they're actually closed now. I'm just going to go with a big old plate of nachos. Oh. I just, I, I it's it's simplistic. Sure. Sure. But it has variety, and I do, I do love me a good crunch on a chip. I don't have to sit there and say like, 
you know, like I enjoy a good snack of like chips and dip because that's literally what it is. Just piled on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Casa de Mexico on Rosedale that used to be there um, was pretty good. And what was what was right around the corner from your apartment? Mexicali. Mexicali. That was it. Every, well, I hate Mexicali. You, I, the nachos were good. I liked the nachos. Their salsa tasted too much Mexicali. like marinara sauce. Gone no, there's one downtown. Oh, they're not. A, they're not gone yet. <laughs> Are they gone? It has been remade. Are you going to make a trip to downtown? We have or to just... when Brooke wants Mexicali, and I hate it. I hate it. We have and, so much and, Mexican and food. The we, spectrum we, of, of amazing Mexican food that you can get in Baker's. Field really Mexicali do. is like you know what you need it's, to do. It's like it's, the it's, it's driver the, driver out to Arvin. Yeah, but Mexicali is what is, is what like Brooke likes that style though. She likes the watered down Americanized. But, but Mexicali is what boomers think Mexican food is yes. from like the seventies and eighties. Like, oh, this tastes like marinara sauce. Mm, that's delicious. Yeah, I mean, Sinaloa is when it was actually still open. Tahoe Joe's has a pretty really good, good steak nacho. If you're interested, I I always. Like I wouldn't go to Tahoe Joe's thinking I'm going to get nachos, though. Uh, out on Taft Highway, there's a place called Lino's. Okay. Lino's. Very good. Very okay. good. And whenever you order either guac or chips and salsa, I love that they bring you a mixture of corn and flour tortilla chips. Oh. oh. So you get, like, the puffy flour ones, the crunchy mm-hmm. corn ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one was from a, when I went to Paris back in 2009. And this was from a street vendor that had this big old contraption where it was like a movable rotisserie and he just had like a slew. There had to have been like 12 chickens just rotating and getting crispy and then everything is just dripping off of it. And you're all like, oh, but they're losing all the juices. And like, I mean, where are they going? Oh, let me tell you where they're going. They're going to the parboiled, cut up and now frying in the chicken juices on the bottom of potatoes along the uh, along the bottom of the rotisserie. Okay. So not only are they crisping up priest, just a little priest. <laughs> so they're crisping up, but they have now been taking on all the flavor of the rotisserie chickens. And you would just get like a little container. They would either like cut off, like give you, you know, half of a breast or, you know, a leg and a wing. And then just like a s- giant scoop of potatoes. Oh, <sighs> What is this all called? What is this? I, I, I couldn't tell you what it was called. I, okay. couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but it was, I mean, street chicken. Street chicken of Paris. Street so, chicken of Paris. So who do you sacrifice? Who do you uh, live out your life with? So as much as it would pain me, I would sacrifice the street chicken. Ooh. I would sacrifice the street chicken because if you love something, you have to let it go. Mm. And luckily enough for the nachos, I would still have enough variety to deal with it for the rest of my life. Mm. All right. All right. I like like it. (laughs) All right. uh, When Jack and Wang pull into the alley in Chinatown, it's almost as as if they went to another time and a place that no longer exists. Have you ever seen or been somewhere that does the same? A location or place that seems to defy the present and is a lodestone for the past. We're excluding grandma's house, correct? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Because that shit never changes. Share the load. Share the load. Who wants to go first? Drew, do you want to go first? Sure. So something that is just like a quick get out of the way, because it doesn't ever change. But it's also the novelty of why and how this place was built. Hotels. But it, no, no I, I was going to flat out just say Solvang, California. Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. I still have never been. It's great. It's, it's a cute little quaint it's, Dutch town. And um, 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a tourist attraction, and that's just what the it does. The writer of The Little Mermaid, like the the original nursery, or not nursery rhyme, but uh, story of it uh, was there or lived there, something. But yeah, Drew's right. Cute as shit little town. Uh, Great date. Just to get it out of the way. Place to go. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. another place that's also along like that same place, and it never, ever changes too, and it's still the beach, uh, Go the original McClintock's. Yeah. Uh, nothing nothing ever changes there. Nothing My ever changes. My grandmother hated. Did they really? Hated that restaurant. Getting so, a head pour? Well, <laughs> and a, so a mouth my, pour? my grandmother owned Road's End, uh, which was a restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, a bar, general store, 10 cabins, the, you know, the resort. And my grandmother, you know, did really, really good prime rib. That was what she was known for, that and her pate. And she had a very, like, philosophy of how you do things in a kitchen how you how you serve how you pour your drink how you set the set the silverware out everything she wanted everything done a certain way so we, we took her from mcclintock's for it was like her <laughs> 70th birthday and i'll never forget her face staring at the waiter as they're doing the head pour and she's just like you bitch <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> this is the house of God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, McClinton. Yeah. But McClinton, I mean, that's just another one. I mean, just kind of along the same thing to get out of the way. But one that sticks out in my mind and having actually been there and experienced and walked around, it's uh, it's Tombstone. And I mean, I know it's a tourist attraction. It's a period piece. <laughs> never gonna let it, let it down <laughs> never gonna let it down never gonna let it go gonna turn around and jab your face in it inside Jack's head as he's having to watch Maverick no no, no. <laughs> but yeah no Tombstone Arizona I mean obviously they have to keep it what it is because it is literally the tourist attraction and that's what it is. But it's it's so neat because everyone who's there and living and working, they dress up as the parts. They go to their little, you know, jobs in the stores and whatnot. They know their history. I remember when we went and uh, we visited it, uh, I sat down with a guy and he taught me how to play Egyptian. Okay. Um, the card game. And I was just like, it was just, it was just a fun thing to walk around. And of course they go and they point out the okay corral, a lot smaller than I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least what I <laughs> obviously had seen in the movie, but yeah, tombstone, Arizona. Hmm. For me, uh, obviously the whole town of Wofford Heights, uh, just never changes, never grows, never does anything. But, um, there is <laughs> shout out to, <laughs> shout out to my old stomping grounds, but there was a store, obviously roads end is burned down, but there was a, Another resort area that were, we were very good friends with that was McNally's. If you guys have ever been upriver, uh, it is a restaurant and, uh, you know, they have a general store and, and stuff as well. But their restaurant, you walk in and they still have these in their like waiting room. They have a really large waiting room area and they have these glass display cases of these like miniature mining kind of town and it's like this just a little bit bigger than like figurines but you know just that kind of cool set pieces in these glass containers as a kid i loved going there and i had no problem with the weight you know to to be seated because i would just spend as much time as i possibly could just looking at it and going oh like look at that and kind of in my head you know having little 
adventures or like Indian in the cupboard, you know, Aww. just like that kind of feeling of like, whoa, mm. little miniature guys are all in this little town and stuff. And I loved it. And the last time I went, same thing. It has changed ownership a couple times. And I pray to God that that stays forever because that was a magical, magical waiting room. Mm. Mm. Well, um, I would, I'd go two, uh, one, four and one domestic. When we were visiting my uh, my sister in England, when she was there, when her husband was out of one of the Air Force bases there, there was this this town, and uh, I'll see if I can get because I couldn't remember it, and it was too late for me to call her because uh, she's on the East Coast. But it was uh, a cathedral that had basically ancient cathedral in England that had fallen into ruin, and they you could walk the grounds, and the ruins were still there, like half arches, and then they had the the new cathedral had incorporated parts of the old one, so there was like you know this corner was part of the old cathedral, and you could tell the difference in the age of the stone. But it was a newer newer cathedral design that was maybe only a couple hundred years old. But walking into that, it looked like uh, Lothlorien. Ooh. Like it had that white, the like the wood that goes up, and it's like it looks like branches. It was it was absolutely gorgeous, but it, it, it's sort of like the old and the new, like the ancient, but... Even this, like, it's still older than America. Mm-hmm. I belong to the Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that was that was pretty pretty incredible. And then uh, there's uh, Yellow Springs, Ohio, which uh, you know I think it's notable now, and it, it has lost some of its luster because Dave Chappelle uh, make, makes it its home, uh, so it has become a little bit more hipster and trendy in the past decade or so. Uh, but back in the day, it was just this sleepy old hippie town. Antioch University, where John Lithgow went to, is is right outside its uh, its city limits. Uh, you know, you've got these old houses that are all painted funky hippie colors. Uh, you know, there was a, a, an inn there that they, I think it was called the Old Tavern Inn. Uh, and it was famous because Lincoln stopped there on his way one time, <laughs> and that's like their badge of honor. That's it where was he one of the, the napkin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh. It was one of the few places where you could <laughs> still go, yeah, and uh, like, you know they had a real record store that had vinyl and CDs that you could browse, and uh, you know because I think that's like that's, that's dead now. Yeah, it's just, and that has gone now too. Got a place called uh, Dark Side Books. I found a first edition of Timothy Zahn's uh, Heir to the Empire there. Just lots of lots of crazy cool finds and just great restaurants and and just places to eat. There's a a pizza place called Mellow Mushroom, which, you know, the the rumor had it that back in like the 60s and the 70s, uh, you know, you could you could order a mushroom pizza and it would uh it would yes it would it would be uh, of, of the magical variety but it, it's just a very laid back cool place to go it's got john bryant park outside of it uh and uh there's another park as well but it's just it's kind of secluded it's off the beaten path it's just a nice place to to spend the day and like they have street fairs and you know it's cool nice yeah. speaking of star wars novels if you read any novels nathan for Star Wars, please read the Timothy Zahn trilogy, the, the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Please, it's just... it's 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 like a wet dream of what happened after Return of the Jedi. Wait, so is aftermath not? Oh God, no. canon? No. Oh, okay. well, no. Aftermath is canon. Oh, well, uh, Timothy legends. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Heir to the Empire. Um, 
is and that trilogy is like disney sort of like like ripped frankenstein parts out of it that they liked mainly just grand admiral thrawn okay but uh it is it really should have been what the sequels could have aspired to be Mm. rather than the the just misguided bullshit that we got yeah all right last last segment give me three of your furies we saw rain thunder and lightning who are your own individual furies uh what do they look and dress like and uh what's their special power uh i'll go first i haven't gone first yet uh so the first would be the fury of cased meats he is a a a swollen individual with a sort of a smoked brat sort of a, a complexion he wears a chewbacca style bandolier that just has various Kate's meats uh, within it. Uh, and then he can summon any type of sausage meal from a good old chili cheese dog to sauerkraut, mustard, and bratwurst on a, on a nice toasted bun. The second one is the uh, the Fury of Divine Wind. So this, uh, it's just sort of like, did you ever play um, Old Republic 2? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Darth Nile. Nihilist? Nile? That Nihilist. Where it's just the mask, but it's like there's really he's almost incorporeal right right, so it's like a fart underneath of a green like filling up a green cloak okay uh it looks very regal but when you get close enough sorry you were right darth nile yeah yeah not nihilist nihilist would make too much sense yeah yeah yeah. but but you know it could it could you know sort of like butterfly effect it sort of give you like a and then uh you'll you'll be like oh god what is that stench uh, which I've done to my wife is fart and then blown ah. it at her. Um, or it could just just explode with devastating, thunderous, and overwhelming stench. And then my final is the Fury of Bourbon. It is a uh, disheveled, drunken master of cunning wit and laughter uh, with the ability to cause anyone... Uh, who imbibes too much bourbon to snore aggressively and piss off their sleeping wife. <laughs> a little, little personal note, and I love you. So I may have uh, missed the assignment a little bit on this one. I did not go with three necessarily like individuals of. Are <gasps> uh, <gasps> you just going with like three powers? So I no, I went with three of my childhood that I love. That oh, like heroes. Yeah, well, I'm good. Okay, let's yeah. do it. Sure. So we go back to one of uh, what was that Victor Wong? Yeah, Victor Wong with Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum as my because th- I thought that we would say like what three furies we would use. Their special power, of course, being instant diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I misread the assignment. No, you're uh, fine. No, you're fine because mine kind of goes along I mean, with that notion. Sausage farts and booze. <laughs> we're good here. Instant but, diarrhea. Pepper, uh, pepper bombs. Of course, they're not going to do shit against like you know Jack and and this ensemble. But Victor Wong's going to be very conflicted on who he like attacks. Because these are his three kids. <laughs> I loved Three Ninjas. I loved Rocky (laughs) Gold. Hey, they can have instant diarrhea as an attack. They can have homemade pepper bombs. They can have endless taunting with Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. They could have a launcher with Exeronius from uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. Oh my God. I should have made Ernest and the two chef guys. (laughs) The two chef guys is my experience. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, well. Okay, so uh, my furies are coming to us from an age of black and white television comedy. It's the Three Stooges. Ah! <laughs> Larry, Moe, and Curly are not really decked out in anything specific, just, a, you know, your typical everyday clothing, which they normally do have. Now, Moe, however, does have levels in Bard and Monk because he will attack you with vicious mockery with his insults. Come here, Chatterhead. And then he'll, you know, grab you, grab your nose and then hit you across the face with it. <laughs> you know, he'll he'll swing, he'll miss, but he'll hit Curly in the face. So he's still doing his bludgeoning damage with, <laughs> with his, to his own with his, you know, uh, fist of uh, fist of blows or. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, Larry is actually going to have levels in wizard because he's I find him to be a little bit wiser uh, than, you know, uh, all of them put together. But he also has levels in artificer because he always seems to have things on tap. So he's also going to have a robe of not useful, but useless items <laughs> because he's going to reach into the pockets and he's going to pull out stuff that he can attack or throw at you. But mainly it's just going to be for gags. Now, Curly is actually going to be purely having levels in barbarian because he's not only scared of things that are new, but he... Uh, <laughs> Oh, but he is also a little bit wild. <laughs> so with that, he's going to have a little bit of natural armor and invulnerability to attacks. But with the barking, the barking also comes from his lycanthropy, because if you hit him enough, <laughs> oh like, if you hit him enough, he is actually turning into a werewolf. So there are my furies. Well done. Well done. Well, uh, Nathan, what would you rate this movie? If. I were to broadcast this out on a CB radio <laughs> down, 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 down. to five people. I really only think that for me, two people would respond back. This is not my movie, but I understand that there are those out there that love this movie, worship this movie, and that's okay. There are far worse uh, things to worship, but I'm not going to say Maverick. I'm sure. I'm sure Maverick to some, just for Maverick. Uh, <laughs> T-shirts will be made. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's not my style. It's fun, I guess you know, and uh, has its moments. So two out of five. Okay. So uh, we have essentially two couples for this movie. We have the lawyer, Gracie Law. Gracie Law. That's it. It's so, just me, Gracie Law. So we have Gracie Law, we have Jack Burton, we have Wang, Wang, and um, his his uh, fiance. Mm -hmm. So we have two couples, Pretty and nice, uh, it's gonna Pretty it's nice. <laughs> it's gonna be coming together for not a not a very you know hundred percent all the way we're dead set on it, but it still makes it past the finish line. Four out of five. Uh, if this movie uh, was a, a sex demon bag. I want all them six demons. <laughs> like I could, I can vividly remember just like sitting in the the family room watching this movie. Company is over. Mom's making dinner and like bitching. Like dinner time sort of was like, but they're going. The movie's almost over. It's like no, no, turn it off. Come to dinner and just. I am so happy to revisit this movie every few years. Uh, it just it it scratches all the. It checks all my boxes. Hmm. Yeah, uh, for that type of movie. Yeah. Uh, so, Drew, where can uh, folks find us, contact us, uh, get more information? 
they want to come uh, to our, uh, our our Wing Kong exchange. So, guys, you can always find us up on Facebook. You can uh, search for The Real Phil's Podcast. Same thing up on Instagram, which is uh, uh, very he... rarely, but uh, it does happen if it's updated. But you can also hit us up on Twitter at Real Phil's Pod. Send us an email at realphilspodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from all of you. But more importantly, we have the Tooch line. Mm. The Tooch line. 661-376-0030. Please call the Tooch line. And if, uh, of course, leaving a voicemail on the Tooch line is not your style, you can always head over to Apple Podcast and you can leave us a nice five-star review. And speaking of the five-star review, our contest from episode 100 is over. And we do have a winner. I put uh, every single person who had left us a review on Apple Podcasts beforehand into a random generator, and it did pick out someone. It picked out Mr. Nerd Revert over up on Twitter, who is also one of our patrons. Hey! Oh! So he will be getting a uh, a real feels little uh, fun prize package and a Blu-ray DVD copy of Boondock Saints. I mean... You have more luck dragging a beer. <laughs> Everybody's Irish today. St. Patty's Day. I think I might want a bagel with my, my coffee. coffee. I'm strangely comfortable with it. Uh, You're what? You're you little what? <laughs> You're gonna have a lot of fun with that Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, oh, but um, there's no Patreon special because we gave you a, a fourth segment. Uh, yeah, folks. If I if I have to. If it's my movie pick, I'm doing the intro, I'm doing the segments. I'm sorry, but you, <laughs> your, your Patreon can fall by the wayside. <laughs> if you want to tell me off, call the Tooch line. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you. Yeah. I dare you. Indeed. <laughs> so coming up after this episode, we actually have episode 103 with Nathan, who's going to be bringing us... <gasps> Civil War. Civil War. Revolutionary War, probably. Yeah. Civil War movies. Oh, that's Dixieland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. And to uh, to wrap up season five, I'll be uh, bringing everybody some paranormal comedy. Bring back mm. home. Paranormal comedy. So, what are we? Are we to be on Tremors five? Yes, Tremors five. Oh, just don't look at the future. Oh. Just, just focus on the now, Jack. Focus on. The now. Stop it. <laughs> Tremors 5 Bloodlines what, did we, what was 4? Cold Day in Hell? No that no, was the, um, the prequel It was the prequel one <laughs> oh, my The fucking prequel Jesus. with, 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 with Dandy breath. Dandy Burt <laughs> fucking <laughs> Gummer <laughs> Oh Christ Dirt Dragons <laughs> well, So uh, uh, Join us uh, for season Is it 6? 5 Season 5 The Order of the Grab Baggins That'll be uh, coming up in February. Can't wait for everyone to have a, have a good time with us. But, uh, folks, have a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and uh, we will see you uh, in January. Mm. And as always, remember, you're the realist. Ed if I'm not back in two hours, call the president. And you tell him what Jack tells you, it's the checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready, Jack? I was born ready. <laughs> Look out, guys! Just like a psychic. <laughs>